doing the things you love to do and challenging yourself from a place of knowing that you are already worthy. You're already, you're already enough. And so there's, there's this freedom to go and explore and some great things can happen when, when you kind of engage in whatever it is in life from that place. How do we become our best and live a life of meaning and purpose? In a world where the constant focus is on fixing what's wrong with us, we want to highlight what is right and good about you to help you live out your best every day. Hi, I'm Eloise Wellings. And I'm Rory Darkins. And this is What's Right Within. Hello and welcome back. Or if it's your first time, welcome to What's Right Within. We have loved bringing you these episodes uh, every week for the last little while, hearing from some really inspiring guests about their journey and exploring their potential and how they've navigated the challenges that come with that. And this week, we're just going to take a quick pause and take stock and answer some of your questions. You know, we really want this to be practical and um, to help you to explore your own potential and apply the principles and insights that we're learning from guests along the way. And so um, we've had some great questions already come in and we're going to cover those on this episode. So I can't wait to rip into it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good. We've, as you said, we've we've had loads of questions, and we're probably not going to be able to get through them all today. But um, we're going to keep doing this once a month, I think, uh, where you and I just answer questions from our listeners and as best we can. And yeah, it'll be fun. Awesome. And Eloise, before we do rip into questions, quick question for you: How have you been lately? What's been happening? Well, um, things been good. I've um, the family's good. I've not been running, as you know, because um, you haven't been running either because I've been injured. Yeah. Holiday. <laughs> so it tends to happen when I get hurt. Yeah, or just take a training holiday. If I'm pregnant or having a baby, Rory stops running. Um, and then secretly keeps running just to like. <laughs> You're totally doing secret training. Oh, I know yeah. that you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I've been injured. I've had an injury. And I've had another stress fracture. I've had a stress fracture. And nice correction in your language. You. Uh, that's self awareness <laughs> right there. It's like, no, I'm not going to identify with that story. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd appreciate that. That's why I did it. Um, so I've had a stress fracture and it's healed. It's good to go. And uh, I've had 45 days off so far not counting um, no not counting at all and yeah i've been on a really i've been in a really good headspace actually really um just got amongst cross training and and strategized a plan um pretty early on and just thought i'm gonna get stronger from this and learn from it and yeah come back and plow on Love it. And it's been great to see the way that you have embraced this time as an opportunity. I know that that plan has involved you spending a lot of time in a very cold looking ocean pool. I can attest to how cold it is because I did join once and once was enough. <laughs> but uh, speaking of plowing on, what's our first question? So the first question is, 
I was told once that I was good at training, but not racing. Unfortunately, I seem to have adopted that belief and it is something I think about in the lead up to any race. And I feel like it stops me from doing races. What strategies would you suggest to help my, help me change my belief system and help me feel more excited to race? Yeah, that's a really good question. And thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Um, I think that's something that a lot of people will resonate with um, in some capacity because, you know, it doesn't have to be training. It's just in anything being told that you're, you know, you're Mm. not good at something. You Mm. know, I think we can all relate to that. So I think the most important thing is actually in the question itself. And that is that you're aware that there is a belief that you've adopted about it. So that awareness of the belief is always the starting point in being able to dispute it. And what I mean by disputing the belief is actually step back and look at it and say, well, is this belief true? Like, is the statement true? What evidence is there to support it? And because when that comment was made originally, it was probably a throwaway comment, I would imagine. But even if it did have an element of truth, at the time, human beings are always changing. You know, our capacity to change and grow is... Um, we, we, there's no measure of how capable we are of that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, even if it was somewhat true at the time, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily still true. So stepping back to examine the validity of that belief and whether that is, there's any evidence to even back it up right now is a great starting point. And from there, you can then go, well, does this belief serve me? Like, does this help me move towards what matters to me and if the answer is no which i'm assuming it is um from how you phrase the question i would say well look at how you approach training because i think the way that you approach training will hold many of the clues that will help you on a race day so for example it sounds like you enjoy training it sounds like you perform well in training and so the mindset that you bring to training sessions will actually help you in races if you can adopt quite a similar mindset. And again, making an assumption, only you will know what um, is true for you. But I'm imagining that, you know, with training, the goal is about best effort or about just, you know, doing, doing your best on the day. And if you could take the same type of attitude into a race, seeing the race is not the be all end all kind of judgment day where you're compared to others, but actually an opportunity to put in your best effort or to, to see what's possible for you that day, then that might mindset may allow you some freedom to actually start to experience more of what you experience in training in your races too. Um, so that that's a few thoughts from me, but Eloise, you know, you've, um, competed in a lot of races and you've done more training than most of <laughs> most of us so what are your thoughts on that uh yeah i think you're totally right i think you need to you need to take those that thought captive and like you said this, the self-awareness piece is so crucial in this because just being aware that that's something that's been limiting your your ability to to reach your potential and so taking that thought captive and holding it at a distance and and looking at it 
um, from a distance and creating space from you and that that thought and that um, you know that negative thing that that someone spoke over you and you know I think it's um I think you're exactly right I think th there's so much more of a threat that comes with racing because there's a result mm. you know I mean there's a result in training as well but generally no one's watching <laughs> um, but when there's people watching in races and so I, I kind of think you know potentially think about how you are considering races and you know whether you're you're seeing them as a threat to um, to who you are um, because of what the result or your performance might be. Mm, that's such a good point. Like the psychology on that's so strong about simply viewing a situation as a challenge instead of a threat changes what we feel about it. So both the stress responses, but the challenge stress response um, prepares your body to function at its best. And that feels like excitement Whereas the threat challenge, uh, sorry, the threat response, um, you, the stress response is one of trying to protect yourself. And so you kind of want to move away from that. And so just embracing races as challenges that are opportunities to grow and the opportunities to, to see what you've got on the day that can help you to actually be excited about it rather than feel like you've got something to lose. It's good. Yeah. I mean, I look at races now and I think I, I see them as worth three training sessions, mm. um, regardless of the result. I'll never push myself as hard in training as I do in racing. And I, I think that that's true for, for many of us is that you, you do tend to, to, to just compete in, in a race. And so if you think about it, about how much you're going to get from that in terms of your fitness level, um, you might see it a little bit differently. Mm, yeah. So probably to summarize that answer is like treat it with a similar mindset to what you treat training, realize that you're capable of changing your, your beliefs over time. And one last thought on it is like, don't believe every thought you have because you are, you are not your thoughts. And in the same way, you are not your beliefs. So all the best go and embrace any race is an opportunity to go yeah. out and see what you've got on the day and enjoy that process for yeah. what it's worth. All right. Next question. What is the one thing I can do every day to help me feel and be better? It's a good question. It's such a good question. And it's so personal. So Eloise, what's your one thing? What, if you were to boil it down, the most important thing that you do to feel and be better. Exercise and training. Well, training for me is it's my, my profession and my job but then even I know that even when I retire I will continue to to exercise just because it makes me feel it makes me feel good and I'm, it's healthy and you know this this really obvious um, benefits to, to exercising every every day yeah awesome and there's great science to back that up about the benefits both for your physical health, but also for your brain and your ability to, to think clearly and to think more optimistically. And so I think probably from the psychological side, although exercise has many of those benefits attached, I would suggest some form of gratitude practice and you can get really creative with it. Like you don't have to buy a gratitude journal and write down three things in it each day. You can you know send a, a message of gratitude to a friend. 
Nate Halloween and I remember we actually combined these two things once and did a gratitude run. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, I do. It was when I was being really negative on the run. <laughs> <laughs> and you like subtly said, Hey, do you reckon we should um do you reckon I'm just gonna start um being you know grateful for some things? <laughs> <laughs> did did you wanna do that too? <laughs> It's nice to know that's how you remember it. Um, But I remember that like it was, it was really cool because the challenge on it was to find the smallest, most surprising things that we were grateful for and share them because it's obviously easy to note the same sort of big things all the time, but to actually um, it's so good for your mind to start to search, to find new things because it really trains the ability to notice good things and by noticing good things, we become more optimistic. It's one of the best ways to train optimism, which is our expect- expectation that good things can happen. So exercise and find a way to practice gratitude. Yeah, it's good. Cool. Next question, how to calm your nerves before a big race? Eloise, I think this one's for you. You've been <laughs> in some pretty big races, a couple of Olympics amongst other things. Um, Tell us what you do in those situations when you're in the call room, say, getting ready to go out there and (laughs) yeah, what do you do? Uh, I mean, it's really funny even just thinking about this because I remember having a moment before the 10K in Rio in the call room and looking around at what everybody else was doing and having an internal giggle um, because there's someone in the corner rocking back and forth, there was someone else slapping their legs and, and whispering to them. Um, <laughs> that's another athlete just yawning profusely. Um, and nerves make you do weird, weird things. And they're not, they're actually, nerves aren't a bad thing. It, it just means that what you're about to do is, is important to you. Um, but the number one most practical thing I would say you can do um, when you feel like nerves are becoming overwhelming um, is to just focus on your breathing. So whenever you feel yourself becoming, um, I guess, stressed or anxious because of the the nerves, um, take some long, slow, deep breaths and just try and bring some calm. Yeah. And particularly with the like lengthening out the exhale, the out breath, if that's slightly longer than the in breath, that can really help to kind of put the brakes on the system a little bit. Um, but you make a great point about nerves being a good thing in many ways. And the science on that's really cool. And our, and that it, it says that the way that you perceive stress makes almost all the difference. So if you perceive a situation, if you, if you perceive those nerves as um, normal and as helping you rise to the occasion, then they're actually going to work for you. Whereas if you perceive them as um, a sign that you're not ready or that you, you shouldn't be there, then they will negatively impact you. So so important to kind of think about how you're going to interpret them ahead of time so that when you do notice those first, um, you know, those first few nerves kind of start to kick in, just you can say to yourself like, oh, good, I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, bring it on. This is me. This is my body rising to the occasion. Um, and, and that will that will kind of get them to work for you, not against you. Yeah. Next one, how how to feel, this is deep, actually, how to feel like you're enough. How do you feel like you're enough? I'm so pleased that 
someone has had the courage to actually ask this question because Mm. this is a question that we all grapple with and most of us don't actually know that we're grappling with it. It shows up in all sorts of ways where we, we kind of try to prove ourselves in so many different situations, but really as human beings, we're fundamentally wired um, for connection and belonging. And the question of, am I enough is sort of underneath that. And, you know, do I belong here? Am I, am I enough? Am I valuable? The old model of kind of society is sort of has made us feel like you've got to do more in order to become more or to, you know, to be more worthy. And, you know, that's so broken because it forces us. So it sort of, um, it leads us to try and go and find our worth and our achievements or in, and things that we we do is like we've got to earn it all the time and i think if you really step back and you think well think about someone that you really care about think about a, a friend of yours and are you expecting them to prove their worth all the time or do you just fundamentally think that they are enough and so i, I say that because the more we can actually start to think and speak to ourselves like we would a best friend, the, the more, the closer we get to the truth, I think. And it's so easy for us to be critical of ourselves and almost apply a different standard or way of thinking about ourselves um, than we would with others. But really, you know, we're all fundamentally worthy. We don't have to go and earn that or prove that. And there's incredible freedom that comes from, doing the things you love to do and challenging yourself from a place of knowing that you are already worthy. You're already, you're already enough. And so there's there's this freedom to go and explore and some great things can happen when, when you kind of engage in whatever it is in life from that place. But, you know, with any belief, it's not, they're not totally fixed. They're not sort of there forever. And so it's a constant choice, really. It's not, something that you you know you you kind of necessarily always feel enough it's a constant choice to give energy um to the thoughts that um reflect you feeling enough and um to just notice the ones that try to um pull you away from that and just know that you are not your thoughts and that you know whatever your inner critic has to say that tries to um question your worth that it's just um it's just you're in a critic it's not you it's not necessarily true so um don't believe every thought you have because you're not your thoughts and you know you are fundamentally by being you you're already enough and the more you can just keep focusing your eyes back on that and feeding patterns of thinking and acting that line up with that the more that you're going to feel um fully yourself and you're going to be able to experience some great things from there. Next question, tips for being more optimistic during the pandemic. Alzi, how about that one? Yeah, I like it. I mean, optimism is a funny thing. Optimism comes from, from gratitude. Didn't I say that at the start of this podcast? You might have. Did you just steal that? (laughs) I probably did. Has anyone noticed a theme of us stealing each other's stuff on this podcast yet? But seriously, the more that you notice what's good, the more you expect good things to happen. So Kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, it does. And I mean, during this time, I've tried not to think too 
too far into the future, which is a challenge for me because I've, I'm driven by visualizing the future and visualizing what could be in the future. And that's what motivates me. That's what drives me. And so that's been a challenge um, to just live more in the present and more in the day to day. And that that's probably my biggest tip is just to try and keep your mind in the present and, and think about what good things could happen today. What, what good things have I got to look forward today and to today and um, yeah, just, just trying to live more in the moment and because there's so many uncertainties and so many unknowns. And I think that that can be mm-hmm. that in itself can be overwhelming, but just living for today and in today um, is, is a lot simpler. Yeah, for sure. And like one practical way to do that is to watch your language because it's going to be so easy to focus on the things that you can't do. Like, oh, I can't, I wish I could do this or I, I can't do that. Whereas if we, if we were more intentional about saying, oh, I get to do this, you know, oh, I get to go for a run. Yeah. I get to jump in a really cold ocean <laughs> pool. <laughs> Hellways, you know, whatever floats your boat. Oh gosh! But the rising tide floats all boats. Is <laughs> but you're choose the yeah. The beauty of all this, we joke. But the beauty of it all is you get these are choices that you get to make, and yeah. you know you know you you get to do things that you enjoy still. There, there's plenty of things in life um, that you still can do and that you can look forward to, and make those things bigger. Like you know, put by putting your attention on those seemingly small things allow them to be allow them to be amplified in this time, you know, so that you actually really focus on them and, and really do them um, immerse yourself in those small things that otherwise, you know, you, you may have previously taken for granted. I think just continually doing that will help you to, to feel better every day and, 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 you know, build more optimism about what the future might hold. Next one, if you could write a letter to yourselves as teenagers, what would it say? You're giving me that yes. question. <laughs> that's you. Okay. You're up. Well, that's such a, such a good question. I, for me, I would have said failure is something to lean into. Like don't feel like you're getting judged by falling short embrace it like almost re-perceive failure completely as as a necessary important part of exploring what's possible and growing because the freedom to to embrace that and and to realize that you're not getting judged every step of the way um i think you know i was playing a lot of sport when i was a teenager and you know that that thought of not failing failing was far too dominant in my mind. And I, I look back and think if I knew then what I know now about growth mindset and, you know, and embracing challenges as opportunities and all the psychology that goes into exploring potential, I I think it would boil down to just embracing, um, embracing mistakes and, and being free to, to, um, give yourself permission, I guess, to, to make mistakes way more often so that I could learn it and grow more quickly rather than develop a, um, develop a, a bigger comfort zone, so to speak. Yeah. How about good. you, Al? What would you do? What would you say? My letter to myself would be really, really short. It would be three words. 
you are enough. Oh, there we go. <laughs> and just on repeat, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I've, I felt, spent so much of my childhood thinking that I wasn't enough. Mm. And I, I feel that about so many young people today that, and so many of the young people that we, we have the opportunity to speak with in schools, um, even just getting to know them and through the questions they ask and speaking to them afterwards, there's this sense that they feel like they need to, like you were saying before, do more to be more. Mm. And, um, and it's not the truth. Mm. Like you're enough just as you are. And there's, there's freedom in, in that truth. And the, the freedom it comes from being able to do what you're really good at and what you're passionate about um, with no, no strings attached. Mm. Totally. Uh, and it's not just young people, eh? Like, you know, the majority of people I've ever worked with, mm. you know, that question of am I enough and that, you know, the, the fear of um, that kind of being exposed of mm. like, oh, people may find out that I'm not, that I'm, I'm not good enough or I'm, I'm not enough. Like that's so paralyzing mm. um, when it comes to expressing yourself and, and growing and enjoying the process. So, yeah, I think it would be a great one. Yeah. Rory, this one's for you. How do you develop a mindset that stays consistent and keeps moving forward despite life setbacks? That's such a good question. Um, I think there's a little clue in the question itself and um, it, that's about moving forward. I think if we're really clear on the direction we want to move in, that can help us to stay the path because, you know, life is going to throw through challenges and curveballs and, and obstacles along the way. But if you're really clear on a purposeful direction that you want to head in, you know, whether that's um, something that's really important to you, that's bigger than you, it's ahead of you. And, and it's, it's something that really matters to you that those are kind of the ingredients of purpose that you're wanting to organize your life around moving towards. And they can be like general things like, you know, uh, being healthy or, you know, um, being the person you want to be. It, it doesn't matter so much what it is. It, what matters more is that it's, it's clear and it's, it matters to you and you, you know, it has personal meaning attached to it because that is going to give you the fuel and also the direction to stay on track when it is difficult. And so starting there and then working backwards to line up your daily actions and your daily, um, daily thoughts and, and habits with, with those, those small steps that move you in that direction. You know, it, it's not about, you know, doing something big every day. It's just about those real, those micro choices, those small actions or decisions that just keep you taking the right next step that he keep you moving in that direction. And, you know, like it's not a totally linear thing. It's like there'll be a detours and there'll be, um, you know, you adapt along the way, but that will all there'll be a consistency with the direction that you're heading. And when those choices then all add up to how you see yourself as the type of person who can get through difficult things, who can stay on track, who, who can stick to their habits, etc. And so it becomes, it builds its own momentum the more you practice um, taking those purposeful small steps consistently. Right, Eloise, I think this one might be for you. I'm not sure. <laughs> Say it. Best piece of running advice someone has ever given you. Yeah, right. 
Look, I'm not sure if it was for me or you, but you can take it. <laughs> okay. Um, that would have to be my coach, actually, uh, Nick Bideau. He said to me one time, I'll never forget it. He said, you can't get fit from one workout alone, just like you can't get unfit from missing one workout. It's weeks and weeks of, of consistent, strong workouts put together. Imagine your body is like a yellow pages phone book. Each page of the phone book is representing a workout. One page alone is flimsy, easily torn, transparent even. But layer upon layer of these pages is a solid book, strong and resilient, a weapon. Oh, <laughs> and you just memorized that straight off the top of your head. <laughs> I read it out because he wrote it to me in a message. Uh. I was um, going to let you get away with that. It was so poetic. Yeah. And like, <laughs> Mic drop. Um, no, I mean, I, I remember that all the time because it's so true. You can get really fixated on, on, on one workout, how it goes, either how, it go, how well it goes or how badly it goes. Mostly we, runners get fixated on doing bad workouts and, you know, it's just one workout. It doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything. It's, it's constant. Um, layers upon layers of workouts that's going to make you the strong and resilient and robust mm. runner totally. that you want to be. Totally. That's, that's so, and I think it's so true for anything in life, right? It's like, you know, one, one day or one moment, one month, you know, like it's not the be all end all in terms of the whole story. Mm. And, you know, if we can layer together consistently things that line up with what we're about and move us in the right direction, then, can produce something pretty profound mm. Eloise how yes. do you <laughs> how do you balance listening to medical advice about injuries versus your own desire and wisdom within to come back from injury well I've had a lot of experience with injury um, so I do trust myself especially when I've I'm dealing with the same injuries as that I've had before or similar. Um, but if you haven't had a lot of injuries, then I would suggest firstly finding or working with a, a medical team or a physio that you trust and have a good rapport with and asking a lot of questions. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions and find out more and, and expand your knowledge about your body and about how it, how it's working or how it's not working currently. And, um, just, you know, expanding your knowledge. And I think, you know, knowledge is power and, and knowing the more you know about your body and what's, what it's doing and how it's working, the, the more likely you are to make good decisions about it. Mm. And, you know, I, I often um, have athletes refer to me when they have an injury mm -hmm. because it's obviously so devastating and so, um, you know, so challenging to adapt to. And a common thread that I've noticed is a, a prognosis being given of like, you know, oh, you'll never do this again, or there's a 50% chance that, you know, this or that will or won't happen. And, you know, a, a guiding principle that I often use is to believe the diagnosis, but don't believe the prognosis which means yes your the injury may be exactly what it is on the on the scan or, or that and that that is true but the prediction or the 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 future of how you're going to heal from that or how you can respond and what to expect 
that's so uncertain. And mm-hmm. so you don't necessarily need to believe straight away any of those predictions about the prognosis because the human body is so adaptable and so amazing in its capacity to heal and to, to um, respond. And, and it's such a personal thing. Like everyone is different and Mm. everyone's experience of, you know, even if it's a similar injury, first time around, second time around, et cetera, can be different. So, you know, don't believe the predictions. If you, if you do hear them about, um, you know, that can often be quite, um, disconcerting you know quite doom and gloom about you you'll never be able to do your thing again you you don't don't buy into that initially Mm. believe the diagnosis and and then kind of leave space to to kind of see what your journey is going to be and there's so much room for hope in that because you know it we've we've seen it with so many athletes even people have been on this podcast Genevieve talked about you know finding a way herself Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and you know we're just the human body is amazing and yeah. I think great things are, are possible always. I'm quite sure this question is for you, Eloise. <laughs> <laughs> How did you manage to keep up running during your pregnancy? <laughs> and, and some context to this question, it was you know about reducing the training volume. The person who asked this question had been running quite high mileage mm-hmm. um, before falling pregnant and then you know adjusting to running lower volumes which still look like running quite a lot um but yeah the question is how did you manage that adjustment and and keeping running with your pregnancy yeah for me uh it was just about it's a completely different mindset shift when i'm pregnant um both times it's been just about when i've been pregnant it's just a it's just been about getting out for a run each day if I can and feeling healthy and fresh for fresh air. And it's not about training anymore or trying to get fit um, to compete. Um, It's, it's, it's almost like doing a different sport, to be honest. It's um, yeah. But I mean, the most important thing I, I would say is just to listen to your body and, you know, if you've been given the all clear by your obstetrician and by your doctor that uh, you can continue running uh, during pregnancy, I would just listen to your body. There were days where I, I woke up and I was either nauseous or just really tired and I just wouldn't run um, because it was defeating the purpose. The purpose of me continuing to exercise or run during pregnancy was to was to serve my energy levels and to serve my um, my headspace, but if that was gonna, if the run that day was gonna take away from those things, um, drain my energy levels and and drain my my headspace, then obviously it wasn't gonna serve me. So, mm. you know, just rest. Um, and you know, I, I think the obviously the second, well, not obviously, but the second tr- trimester for me and for from what I've heard from many other women are, is the the golden trimester where you have a lot more energy. And so I was able to do a lot more running during that trimester. And then obviously in the third one, it was, um, it scaled down quite a lot um, just because you get bigger and um, it gets harder to do. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Was, and sorry it's it's been really awesome to see you go through that mindset shift you know from when you fell pregnant to you know and shifting your mindset to 
training taking on a totally different purpose to what it did before. Mm. You know, it was actually about, it was about health and, and just um, nourishing your, your, your body on that day. Whereas previously it was about really extending your limits and mm. challenging yourself and being uncomfortable, mm. you know, and then you've, I've seen you shift that back to um, post having sunny mm. um, to actually rediscover that, uh, that challenging kind of, um, mindset yeah and i think that's such an important shift that i haven't really heard people talk about much yeah i think it's important to kind of connect with what's most important here and how can i line up how i approach this with that yeah yeah i mean it's been definitely been a a a challenge transitioning back into okay now it's okay to feel lactic acid and it's okay to feel uncomfortable and out of breath and my heart rate's really high and you know because for so long when you're pregnant you're making sure that all of those things aren't happening and you know you're really aware of your body and um but now getting back into you know being an elite athlete it's it's a completely different mindset shift and you know obviously still listening to my body but it's a, it's a, at a different level of intensity mm-hmm. yeah how to find your passion and purpose after years of trying and not finding world do you want to answer this one Passion and purpose, they're they're such big words really. And, you know, a lot of a lot of the time they're kind of scary words because, you know, when we've particularly when we've spoken in schools, I've often asked the question of like, hands up, who knows their passion? And, you know, a couple of hands go up. And it's it can be quite overwhelming to feel like I have to find my passion, I have to know my purpose. And I think that's one of the traps of um, of this whole space around passion and purpose is feeling like you have to have one and that it has to be like really clear and that it has to be set in stone from a young age and it has to not change. Like I just think that's, that's such a kind of flawed way to look at this whole space and it. Um, it whereas really passion comes from what you're curious about. And so if you follow your curiosity long enough, things may develop. You may develop passion for something, but equally passion isn't bound to a thing. Passion can be brought to life. And so, you know, you can feel passion maybe doing something you enjoy, but you can bring that. It's an internal state. It's an internal experience. You can actually bring that into every part of your life. And so I'd be far more concerned with, with trying to live with more passion rather than to find your passion and feel like it has to be outside of you because it's, it's within you, you know, the capacity to feel and live with passion. And similarly, similarly with purpose, you know, purpose is the way I like to think about it. It is contributing the best of yourself to what matters most. And that doesn't have to be one thing either. That can be in everything that you do. You can bring the best of you in service of something bigger than you and and purpose will be a byproduct of that. And so to kind of give you a a more concise answer, I would say focus on the question of, uh, of what, what might purpose look like today or what, what, how can I live with passion today? And don't worry so much about the answer because I think actually exploring the question is far more fruitful than worrying about finding the right answer in inverted commas. It's good. What do you tell yourself when you're running and it's uncomfortable? 
That's a really good question. Uh, I actually try and tell myself, talk to myself about how I'm running because you can't really control the fact that it's uncomfortable. You, but you can control how you're running and what your form is. And I mean, I, I hold a lot of stress in my upper body. And so I try and go through a bit of a loop, bit of a conversation. It goes through about 90 seconds of what my body is actually doing when I start to feel pain when I'm running. Um, and it's relax your face, relax your shoulders, relax your breathing. And it's just, it's, it's a bit of a, uh, a conversation that I've made up yeah, that goes for 90 seconds and I'll go on a loop of that and I'll practice that throughout hard training sessions as well, just so that when I get into a race, um, uh, it's trained. It's, it's like a, an automatic thing that I start to do as soon as I start to feel pain. And what it does is it probably doesn't take away the pain, but it distracts me from it and it doesn't, allow me to slow down mm. because of the pain. Mm. Nice. I, I love that because I, I know you said it distracts you, but I think it, it in a really healthy way because I, what I see is a lot of people trying to find some sort of escape from the pain whilst mm. they're in it. Mm. You know, like how can I, how can I disassociate? Mm -hmm. Whereas what you're doing is actually quite the opposite. You're going into your body. You're actually reconnecting with your body and you're making those minor adjustments by, you know, and relaxing, um, relaxing your body top to bottom as you go and focusing on your form mm -hmm. and actually being that connected with your body is, is such a great way to be fully in the present moment. Mm. And when you're fully in the moment, there's not much space for thought yep. beyond that. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where, you know, the present moment is where you know, your best performance happens. And, and there is this sort of, um, absence of thought in a sense mm. um when you're really really going well or, or you know in a flow state and that you know you can help yourself to do that by coming back into the body back into the moment and and keeping the main thing the main thing which is just to keep you know doing your process of what you can control which is relax your shoulders etc um so yeah tune into the into your your body and um and be in the moment it sounds that's really cool. Yeah. And some of my, I mean, most of my best races have been when I've, when I've nailed that, mm. when I've nailed that conversation the entire, the entire time mm. and being able to just focus on my form and just focus on being in the present moment. That's when I've, I've, I've really run well and you cross the line. You're like, wow, it's over. Mm. <laughs> like you, yeah. didn't, you, you didn't actually realize some of the races I haven't, I haven't realized how many laps I've gotten to go until the, the bell lap. Yeah. Cause I'm so in, in focus of, you know, listening to, to my form and, and, and the conversation that, and the loop that I've got going on in my head. Yeah. So good. And like flow follows focus. That's mm. one of the main triggers. In. And, and mm. so you can keep your focus locked in like that. And then you may just enter that great state. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, I think that's a wrap. That was really fun. Yeah, so so good, and and thanks for sending in such thoughtful and um, yeah, and practical questions. You know, as we said at the beginning, such a key purpose of this podcast is to help you to explore what's possible for you and to 
to find deeper sense of purpose and, and to flourish and, and thrive in, in life and what in your own style, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like for you. And so thank you for being on this journey with us so far. We've got some great guests coming up um, soon and, and we'll be bringing those some pretty cool stories to you shortly. So yeah. awesome. Thanks and have a great rest of the week. See ya.